This is Retirement Paradise with Greg Gunther from the Retirement Optimization Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Greg provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals your money and your plans in perfect harmony. And now here is Greg Gunther to help you retire in paradise. Aloha, welcome back to Retirement Paradise. This is Greg Gunther from the Retirement Optimization Group. As a reminder, if you'd like some more information about what you hear during our show today, give us a call at 808-791-2924 or visit us online at therogroup.org. Now, throughout my career, I've had clients call me or come into the office seeking advice because a loved one has asked them to be the executor or the successor trustee of their estate. Usually it's a it's a parent. Uh, and while they're usually more than willing to take that job on, they also want some insight into what are the critical do's and don'ts. So I thought we'd spend part of today's show examining some of these things you should know if you expect to someday become an executor in the future. Then the remainder of the show, I want to jump into what I get a lot of questions about, and that's long-term care insurance. So these are two things that most people don't really like to think about, but I believe it's something that you have to think about. Now, before we charge in today's chat, let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore, who I like to think is the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to our show. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm more like the umbrella that just sits in the drink, <laughs> I think, but nice compliment, Greg. Well, I like where your head's at for the show, and I, I think this is going to be a good topic. I'm I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe they expect to become the executor of an estate at some point, but I mean, most of us will want to take uh, this important task on if it's someone we care about, and I think it's fair to say that that would probably be a little intimidating. I know it would be for me, so... I'm excited to hear some of the tips you're going to have for us today. Yeah, and um, I was thinking too, Tony, uh, one of my strategic partners is an estate planning attorney here, and uh, I think I'm going to ask him to be a guest on our show um, in the next coming weeks. Oh, that would be great. So we're going to have a lot more information about the legalities and stuff, but we'll just have some uh, some bullet points here just to kind of get you prepared. So we'll start by defining some of the responsibilities that come with serving as a successor trustee or an executor. Now, as an executor, your most likely starting point is going to be located these critical documents, so the will or the living trust. You may have to ask several family members, look around multiple places to find these documents. So it's a good idea if you are the successor trustee or executor to know where these documents are located. Now, we've kind of solved this problem for my clients. We utilize the complementary generational vault, which is essentially a secure online virtual safety deposit box. Now, so if the person that you're serving as executor for has that generational vault, tracking down the documents is simple and fast. You should also note that typically the executor of an American estate must be an American citizen, though a non-citizen can work with a citizen as a co-executor. Now, next, depending on the estate's size and complexity, you should plan the process taking six months and maybe even up to a year. Though you won't have to work every single day, but, and finally, in some cases, executors can be paid for their work. And successor trustees, you're allowed to give yourself a quote-unquote reasonable fee. So you should be aware that if you receive some compensation, 
It's also considered earned income and it's taxable. So if you're retired, um, you got to kind of watch out for that. Well, interesting. I didn't know any of that, really. And you've mentioned the generational vault on previous shows. I did know about that, and I've seen it in action. It's a great tool, and I know you don't even charge your clients to use that. Uh, And I think, you know, having all of your important financial and insurance documents, those types of things in one secure online safe deposit box that's accessible 24-7, you, you can't be. Yeah, I mean, it's such a handy tool, and like uh, clients absolutely love it because it's a consolidated place to have everything uh, from your financial accounts to important documents. And planning your retirement, one of the first steps is organizing your assets, and it allows us to do that. Um, so, yeah, we're very proud to, to have that and help make life easier for, for our clients. Now, Tony, it likely will come as no surprise. Um, if you're an executive, you're not going to need to be prepared for conflict. Uh, a loved one's death is deeply emotional and when you combine these emotions with the potential hurt feelings let's say when you're reading the will and someone's left out i mean you better be on your toes hurt feelings can emerge if a family member doesn't believe they were divided fairly and i've heard horror stories believe me of of battles and sometimes i've heard stories tony of an estate of people fighting and never getting along again over like forty thousand dollars total estate so it happens uh if you have significant things in your estate, such as emotional objects like arts or collectibles or things that people actually want, um, not just for financial, but for, you know, emotional needs, it's going to be even sketchier. So it's a good idea that you keep track of everything, make sure something doesn't end up where it wasn't supposed to. And ultimately it's up to the person whose estate you're settling to where those things are to go. Sure. So what do you think the best thing to do is if emotions do begin to run high? I mean, that's a that's a good question, and that's probably inevitable. Um, and the best advice would be stick to the plan and maybe prepare in advance, too. So there's a Schedule B in the Living Trust, and that that's what bequeaths specific items to specific people. And if that's blank, which I've done a lot of trust reviews just looking to see if it's properly funded, and i got to tell you, nine times out of ten, the Schedule B is blank. So that if that's true, you know, it's kind of wow. up to the executor, the successor trustee to decide this. And just remember that the person chose you to be the executor for a reason. So use that trust, use that will and your relationship with that person as the North Star and try to be fair. If family members are attacking you and making demands for items or money or anything else, just simply lean on what the will spells out and what that person's wishes are. And when it comes to household items, don't be afraid to lock up the house or specific items to protect any those person's last wishes. Well, yeah, definitely. You want to make sure you take care of that stuff. And uh, it is interesting. I do find this topic uh, fascinating. And I guess what you're saying here, though, is what the will says goes, right? That seems simple enough. Yeah, it can be simple as long as you stick to it and don't get knocked off the correct path. Yeah. And of course, uh, we have to note once again that the, um, you know, uh, beneficiary designations in accounts actually superseded the will as well. So that's always good to keep in mind. Right. right? There's, a, there's a few ways to pass uh, property to loved ones. So the one you just mentioned is contractually. Anything with a beneficiary designation, life insurance policies, IRAs, 401ks, those, those go directly. There's probate which is what we want to try to avoid. Um, there's joint sure. ownership, which you shouldn't have your kids as joint ownership because joint ownership is is 
joint liability. And then the fourth way is yeah. through a, a separate legal entity like a living trust or an LLC. Sure. So does an executor have to handle all this themselves or can they reach out for help if they need Well, it? it's never an issue to ask for second opinion. I mean, you can always reach out to the attorney that drafted the trust or the will or a trusted accountant or any suitable expert, really, if you need guidance. But remember, they're there to be thorough and to execute the estate within the parameters of the will and the documents with the with the trust you have a fiduciary obligation um, to complete this trust the way that it was willed out and but that doesn't mean that you're tasked with suddenly becoming an expert in every area you're unfamiliar with yes you can absolutely reach out for some help and guidance sure yeah that makes perfect sense and you know uh you even uh discussed the generational vault a few minutes ago and noted what a great tool that can be. Uh, how can our listeners find out more about the generational vault or having a plan in place to deal with some of this? Yeah, um, my clients have the opportunity to utilize the complimentary generational vault. And if you'd like some more information about that or would like a demonstration, you can reach out to my office at 808-791-2924. You can also access it online if you go to the rogroup.org. There's a link in the upper right corner that says get my score. And that's the first step in the planning process. And that identifies what type of invest you are, uh, investor you are. And if you take that question and answer, it'll take you to the Generational Vault portal. And then our office will contact you uh, to help you set it up and guide you through your next steps. All right. Well, that sounds great. Now, uh, you've been giving us a high-level picture of what we can expect if we should ever serve as an executor of an estate. And now uh, I know you wanted to also address something that needs to be on the radar of every retiree and pre-retirees out there, and that's long-term care insurance. And, uh, you know, you've been an advocate for having a plan, at least, to deal with long-term care insurance. You've mentioned that on past shows so I'm excited to get your perspective on this one. Yeah, there's there's a lot of options for long-term care. Uh, so we'll discuss kind of like the main points. And I have an article I can reference here um, from NerdWallet titled Long-Term Care Insurance Explained. And this uh, has some good information about your typical approach, which I would call it, to you know your traditional long-term care insurance policies. And one of the barriers I run into when we look at the value of long-term care insurance is that people who are healthy today can sometimes have a hard time imagining, you know, in the future when they might need help bathing and dressing. Um, so it's something people don't really think about, you know, at the age when they really should start planning for it. And the reality is no matter how well you, you eat and how much you exercise and take good care of yourself, nobody really knows what their health will be like a decade or two into the future. And for some, long-term care insurance may provide you know, that buffer that's needed against some of those potential financial hardships that come along with declining health. And ultimately, long-term care is simply a variety of services that standard health insurance doesn't cover. So it covers things like help with your daily chores, bathing, dressing, getting in and out of bed, and those sorts of things. Sure. And long-term care, you know, from the stats I've seen, uh, the majority of us are probably going to need long-term care. Um, it, it's just that number is increasing. It used to be one out of three. Now it's closer to two out of every three people will need long-term care. So uh, having long-term care insurance uh, is important or some type of plan to cover it. And I've heard that long-term care insurance 
can also help with the cost of certain chronic medical conditions. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, some long-term care insurance policies uh, may help cover expenses that come with chronic medical conditions uh, or disabilities or even certain disorders like Alzheimer's disease. And additionally, most policies will reimburse the cost of the care you receive in a number of different settings, including in your home, a qualified nursing facility or assisted living care, or even an adult daycare center. And I certainly understand that researching long-term care insurance can be pretty daunting and really not fun, (laughs) you know? And so many financial services professionals do have experience in the long-term care marketplace, either directly through networking with other qualified professionals. Um, So it's good. That's a great place to start to see if it's a right fit for you. Right. Yeah, and that's that's key. And and there are so for some people long-term care insurance, the policies that are out there might not work, but I know you've talked about other strategies as well. And I know that a lot of people are curious about the timing of this. If they do purchase, you know, health insurance or long-term care insurance, uh, you know, when should they do this? Is this something that they should have in the plans before they retire? Uh, how does that? Yeah, work? this is um, one of the main bullet points too. Is is that people usually, by the time they start thinking about long term care insurance, you know, they're they're already kind of in their golden years, you know, 65, 70. And the premiums are really expensive. And and according to the article, um, when you're in your 50s is about the time you need to start looking for these for these policies to keep your premiums low. Um, You're not going to qualify for long term care if you've already got medical conditions. And most providers don't approve applicants older than 75. So uh, it's best to I would say between your mid 50s and mid 60s would be the time to start shopping for long-term care if this is an option for you. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you wait until you're older and have health problems, it's going to be more expensive is what you're saying. And so mid 50s to mid 60s, and you've already touched on it earlier in the segment, but let's get down to brass tacks for a minute and have you give our listeners uh, your best pitch about why you think long-term care insurance is something they should consider as part of their overall financial strategy. Yeah, well, nothing will eat up an estate quicker than those costs. And um, according yeah, to true. a 2020 uh, data from the Administration for Community Living, which is part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, about 70% of people 65 and older will need some form of long-term care services, uh, That we, as we mentioned earlier. So breaking that, breaking that down just a bit further, women generally need about 3.7 years of services and men average just slightly more than two years. So you don't have to be a mathematician to know that 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 can be pretty expensive. Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very expensive. And so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Again, it's becoming more and more prevalent that people need long-term care insurance. Uh, Part of it is because we're living longer. Uh, and again, regular health insurance doesn't cover very many long-term care needs, does it? Like Medicare and regular health insurance, they really don't cover long-term care. Right, and that that's, that presents the need for, for this type of plan because don't make the mistake that and assume that Medicare is going to make up the difference. Medicare covers brief nursing home stays and they're capped amounts and usually it's for, for 90 days and that's usually the time of what's called the elimination period, you know, which we'll talk about here in a second. But Medicare doesn't cover custodial care services like supervision or help with various day-to-day needs. So that means that if you don't have long-term care, 
insurance or a plan, you'll be on the hook for these services. You may be able to get help from Medicaid, but remember that is qualification based and that's restrictive where Medicare is needs based. Ah, okay. So it is important, obviously, and we all have to think about this. So obviously long-term care insurance then from what you're saying can help us avoid dipping into our savings or other assets to cover the costs of those services. Right. And that's kind of been my experience is that people typically buy it for those, you know, two very important reasons, like you just said, to protect their savings. And as the article explains, long-term care can rapidly shrink your nest egg. And um, I touched on that briefly. And let's take a look at some quick math. Uh, The article references that survey uh, from Genworth in 2020 that the median cost of care is in just a regular semi-private nursing home is 93,000 a year. And just uh, four or five years, 93,000. Again, you don't have to be, (laughs) you put put pen to paper and realize that that is a, that that could wipe out your life savings right there. Yeah. Usually once people enter long-term care, especially if they need, you know, uh, a a lot of care like memory care or around the clock care, um, it can cost up to $12,000 a month in some places. And uh, that's just going to eat up everything you've saved for retirement. So anything you were planning on uh, giving, uh, you know, your family having, uh, it's going to eat that up. And so that's a big part of the issue. Uh, what's another reason? Well, for choices. I mean, just to have more options. You know, the more you spend on your long-term care policy, the higher quality of care you're likely to receive. Where if you rely on Medicaid, your choices are going to be restricted to facilities that accept Medicaid payments. Uh, if you're low income, have a small amount of savings, it's possible that long-term care insurance may be unaffordable. Um, but Medicaid is definitely an option for those individuals. But if you can have a secondary plan, you'll have a lot more options uh, if you do need that care. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's key right there. I I think that's really obviously important. So if our listeners want to talk to you about this, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, everyone's situation is different, um, and you need to have a plan that's unique to you. So if you have any questions about long-term care um, or settling an estate, if you're executor, uh, give us a call, 808-791-2924. I'm happy to talk to you about it. All right. So what do you have for us next? Well, we'll stick with the Nerd Wallet article, um, and this examines uh, what are the nuts and bolts of long-term care insurance. Now, to purchase a policy, you'll need to fill out the application and answer answer various health questions. Then the insurance company will does a review of your medical records and sometimes they'll do an interview with you. Uh, From there, you choose the amount of coverage that suits your strategy. So typically policy, the policy will limit the amount that's paid on a daily basis. And this is one of the flaws that I've seen in long-term care is that the average is usually um, three thousand a month, so it's like a hundred dollars a day. So average cost of long-term care—it's a tiny little nibble of that. So you're still going to be on the hook for the difference on that one. Yeah, yeah. There you go, and and so that's that's huge. So uh, that leaves me with a question: When are you eligible for benefits? No, that's a that's another flaw i think in in these policies i mean they they do have a need and if it's really your only choice to get this protection they definitely have their place but they're not without their flaws and this is another flaw is that 
with these policies, they're what's called an elimination period. I said we were going to talk uh, touch on that uh, in our last segment. And that is essentially once you're diagnosed by a medical professional to be unable to perform two of the six activities of daily living functions or ADLs, you have an elimination period that's typically 90 days. And so these six ADLs are bathing, caring for incontinence, dressing, eating, getting on and off the toilet, transferring from bear, uh, from uh, bed to chair. And two out of those six, you have to be there. And once you exist in that for 90 days, then the benefits kick in. So a lot of people, you know, might not make that elimination period. And if that happens, you've paid sure. these premiums for, for 30 years and uh, nobody gets anything. So these are one of the, the flaws uh, from, from the, these typical long-term care policies that you have to be aware of. Sure. All right. And now uh, let's get, let's get into it. What, what do, what does a long-term care policy cost? Well, um, I'll give you my favorite answer, Tony. It depends. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The dreaded, it depends. Well, I could justify it this time. I promise. Uh, so the rate you're going to have to fork over for long-term care is going to be dependent on a few factors. So first is obviously age and health. So the older you are, the more significant your health problems are, the more you're going to pay. Gender is also a factor. And why women usually are cheaper for life insurance premiums, women often pay more for long-term care insurance because they live longer and therefore have a greater likelihood of needing the policy's benefits. Uh, marital status is another common factor because premiums are generally lower for married people because there's that extra person that could provide the care. Uh, next, the insurance company you want to work with will also change how much you pay. Your projected costs uh, can differ from company to company, and that's why it's important to get multiple uh, multiple quotes. And finally, the amount of coverage you want is obviously going to impact your premium. So if you want higher daily limits, higher lifetime limits, it's going to cost you more for that. Right. Yeah, that's true. It, it depends is, is, is right. Uh, and I know it's not cheap. I mean, long-term care insurance typically uh, isn't. And uh, so it, it can, it can really add up, but uh, are there any, like, let's say, tax advantages to purchasing long-term care insurance? Well, there. if you itemize your deductions, uh, there can be some tax advantages, uh, particularly as you get older. So uh, federal and some state tax codes allow people to count part or all of your premium as medical expenses, uh, which may be tax deductible if you meet certain thresholds. Uh, now, you have to obviously exceed the standard deduction or be take advantage of that, uh, but only premiums for tax-qualified long-term care policies are considered medical expenses. Policies must meet certain federal requirements and be labeled as tax-qualified. So ask your insurance company or financial services professional if you're not sure. Sounds good. I think this is a great topic, but I also, before we go, uh, we should point out that uh, just a straight long-term care policy isn't the only option to help cover long-term care costs, right? You have other options that you've talked with your clients about. Yeah, right? my my uh, my favorite way of doing it, if you're a good saver, is self-insuring. And that's earmarking a certain account, typically a Roth uh, for that rainy day fund and not using it as part of your income plan and making it a permanent part of your legacy and needing it and using that for long-term care should you need it. Um, if you can't really afford to, to earmark portfolios or money for that task, 
I like a better option too. And this, again, you have to qualify for it and it depends on everyone's situation. But with typical life insurance policies, permanent life policies, you can add what's called uh, an accelerated death benefit rider onto that policy. And typically these are free and it allows the insured to use the death benefit for themselves to cover long-term care costs. Now the same rules apply two out of the six life functions, 90 day elimination period and that sort of thing. But what I like about these is that rider is free, but if you end up never using it, at least this money that's in the death benefit goes tax free to your beneficiaries versus the typical long-term care policy that the insurance company keeps it. So see, that sounds like a great, uh, a great possibility or strategy to help cover long-term care. And it doesn't just go into something and then disappear if you don't use it. Uh, it can at least uh, be a tax-free uh, benefit for your loved ones when you pass. So I-, I like that option. I've also heard that if you, I know a popular vehicle with a lot of retirees and baby boomers who have been retiring is the fixed indexed annuity. And I know there are long-term care riders for those, and that's just another insurance option, isn't it? Yeah, there are riders that allow you to these these accounts to be more liquid. Um, so that's that's an option too. Um, that's also part of the self-insuring kind of strategy. Um, but one sure, more up, sure. uh, I'll one up you on that one too. On the on the accelerated death benefit riders, there are special policies called survivor policies, which are essentially second to dies. So you put two insured, so husband and wife go on the same policy, something happens to one person, the benefits aren't started um, or paid, that last person, now that they can use this accelerated death benefit rider for themselves. Now the benefit is by having two people on one policy, you get a lot more insurance coverage for the same premium. So it's a really great estate planning tool. Um, oh, we've, wow. we've done these for clients where each each client has had their own, say, $100,000 policies. We're able to merge them into one second to die policy and made it like 400,000. So we're able to create all this extra wealth in the estate because they're specifically for legacy planning, but still a free long-term care rider for the last survivor. Thought being if one person gets sick and the other one's healthy, they can kind of take care of them. But then if they're the last surviving spouse and they need care, they can now tap into this policy. Wow, I I wasn't familiar with that specific one. And I like that, I, I like that. So that's really, uh, taking care of your spouse that too. Uh, I think that's a really great option. So uh, it's good to know there are other options uh, out there and it just depends on your own personal situation. Uh, so how can our listeners find out more and what would work best for them? Yeah, I mean, all these options, self-insuring, uh, your standard long-term care policies or these second to die survivor rates. I mean, lots of different options. Ultimately, it really depends on your family situation, your financial situation. So if you want some more information or would you like a complimentary consultation, feel free to give us a call at 808-791-2924 or check us out on our website, therogroup.org. All right. Well, that sounds great. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Retirement Paradise with our host, Greg Gunther. Thank you for listening to Retirement Paradise. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Greg Gunther at the Retirement Optimization Group. Call 808-791-2924 or visit their website at therogroup.org. Greg Gunther and the Retirement Optimization Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. 
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.